Chance. Welcome to the No Chance Radio Show, a podcast about the world of streetwear, fashion, and everything and anything else. Welcome back to the show, the No Chance Radio Show. That's NCR. I am your co-host. My name is Ryan. I'm your other co-host, Mel. And we are back. We apologize for the little hiatus. I mean, it's really just a week. So, I mean, you guys have gotten spoiled to the point where you get one every week for the past year, two years. Yeah. So uh, consider this a small break for us. Um, but we're back. Welcome to episode 99 of the No Chance Radio Show. I was just telling Mel right before we started, like, I don't remember how to do this. (laughs) This past week has felt like such a blur. A lot of shit has happened. A lot of stuff we're going to be covering in today's episode. Mm -hmm. Um, What happened to us last week? Um, I got sick and I went out of town. (laughs) You got sick and went on vacation. I feel like Melanie goes on vacations more than I do. And uh, it makes me somewhat kind of depressed because... you're leaving I want to like go on vacation. Weeks. I do. I do have yeah. a vacation coming up. I'm going to go explore the world or not the world, but the country <laughs> of Barcelona. Um, shit. I would almost call it like a birthday celebration too. So happy early birthday to me. It's on the 24th. Shout yeah. out my shout out my fellow Libras. Yes. Libras. Not that I even believe in that <laughs> astrological astronom- astronomy shit anyways. <laughs> um, but man, like what, where do we even start? I, I think, um, uh, promo stuff. Let's get this out of the way. Thank you guys as always for turning up at all of our events, man. I think, I don't even think we had the chance to, to recap Mina gallery Mm -mm. in San Francisco, but that was a a definite, Oh my God, that was a huge achievement for us. Uh, it's Mm -hmm. a place that we would always go to. Some of the best parties have been thrown there and for you guys to show up and man, it was fucking packed. And Man, it, I'm so thankful and so grateful for you guys. And uh, this Saturday, we have a, it's a little twist on our typical parties. It's actually going to be during the day. So the day out, mm-hmm. like what we did there, the day <laughs> out is this Saturday from 2 to 8 p.m. We have um, a legend, oh my, a legend, and also legends in the making, but we have a legend, legendary DJ, Miles Medina. He'll be. Uh, opening or not opening our show but he'll be headlining our show with us it's going to be music food drinks um we got everything man if you guys are based out of the bay area like we say you know we're bay area locals san francisco natives all of our parties are out here until we can somehow get to southern california or the east coast so you guys are gonna have to hold out on that but if you guys are in the bay area come out to oakland for the day out september 14th this saturday tomorrow 2 to 8 p.m. Use the code no chance to get a nice little discount off the tickets. I mean, tickets are what, like $15 right now? Yep. It's payday today if you're listening to this on a Friday. Um, so I think y'all got it. Y- y'all are good. I'm, I'm going to delete that promo code out of the, out of the audio now. Um, but yeah, man, I, I want to reflect real quick on, on episode 98 real quick because, and shout out to Eli and, and, and David for, for coming all the way up to to San Francisco to to come record with us. But I'd say like of all of our episodes, there's something about that one that I really, really appreciated. Mm -hmm. Um, Two things, and this goes for anybody that's looking to start a brand or ever think about, you know, when's my big break, you know? Well, take advice and take heed from exactly what Eli and David did. And when you see opportunities, you have to jump for them. Like Mm -hmm. there wasn't a better opportunity for them. And I'm sure they're, I mean, they had mentioned they're big fans of the podcast, but as people who are trying to get their own creative endeavor off the ground, taking opportunities like that, taking risks is what it's all about. And that one in particular obviously catching me extremely off guard is an example of taking those risks. And you just, you just never know. Like you never know sometimes what's going to fall in your lap, especially when it comes to things that you're extremely passionate about. I mean, for us as well, within the past couple of weeks, we've had opportunities that we never thought that we'd get coming along within, you know, a a year of doing this. And Mm -hmm. it makes you think of two things. You, You think of, you know, you know, thank 
thank you for all of this hard work. And I'm talking to myself, thank you for putting in all this hard work. It was worth it. But it also says, okay, what next? Mm -hmm. You know, I have this little thing written on my wall of, of like new year's resolutions. I wrote this after our second event back in January. And, um, two out of the three things in there have been fully crossed off the list. And there's something about that, that for one scares the shit out of me because when dreams become realizations, it's a very awkward moment. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know how to feel right. Mm -hmm. When you're in the moment of, of a dream coming true, you say, you know, first of all, is this real? And why did I do, what did I do to deserve this? Um, for one, I would say, don't ever doubt your creative talents unless some, unless you're like, you actually suck, (laughs) then maybe it's not for you. Um, but if something happens, any glimmer of light and any moment of coolness, I'm going to call it, it's a good sign to keep going. So shout out to David and Eli for an amazing episode. I hope you guys learned a lot about not only the brand strangers, but also just coming up out of a city that you may not think is a not only profitable, but a place where you can create a, a culture around. And they've been able to do that out in Merced. So shout out to them. Okay. Now on to the podcasting part. Melanie, what the fuck has been up? You know, that's the first thing I ask you whenever we start an episode. Mm-hmm. So what have you been up to? I know work is always crazy. I know that you've been traveling, you've been sick, but how have you been able to sort of download all the shit that's been going on in your life, especially within the past couple weeks? Um, right now, my life feels like a blur. You know, we've been doing a lot of work aside from the podcast, just like on our other end, like with music. And I've kind of just been tunnel vision on everything right now. No, same. I haven't seen you in like two weeks or like a week or whatever. But it feels, it felt like a month. It did. Yeah, it did. Like even just texting, it's like, damn, I haven't seen anyone like in a week and it feels really weird. But, um, I've been really thankful that we've got to the point where we have been right now. You know, we have a lot of opportunities coming up with different, um, different DJs, different events. So look out for our future things. We have a website now, which is super cool. Promo that. Yeah. We finally have a website. Um, nochanceradio.com go check it out you can buy tickets on there you can look at our past episodes get to know our family because there's actually a lot of people on there you don't really see like promoted a lot yeah and a lot of voices that you don't typically hear on the podcast and you know there's there's always a reason for that type of stuff now one of the things that I didn't expect us to do is be so heavily involved in this music shit same Um, my ultimate goal regardless of the podcast is to travel the world with my friends and make money doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether it involves streetwear, music, some sort of performing art, whatever it is, if it it gives us the ability to travel and make money, then I'm going to pursue that. And what we've been doing so far is putting us on the right track to make that happen. but yeah, on, on a side note, while we're still on the topic, go to nochanceradio.com, bookmark that shit. One of the cool things, and I'm glad that I did this for the episodes, is is give timestamps. So you guys mm-hmm. don't want to listen to a full hour of, of episodes. There's certain sections in there that may resonate with you, may not, but um, Angela, aka Dollar Sign Pisces, one of our DJs, she worked really hard on creating it and looks really good. So keep that as like your new way of figuring out what's new with us. Yeah. Nochanceradio.com. Now let's get into the motherfucking show because we have a lot of streetwear to talk about and a lot of shit has been happening. A lot of it, a lot of it, I'm going to say it has been quite trivial. Um, and we're going to cover sort of like a, a very top level examination of what's been going on in this world because, I mean, shit, there's something about, like you said, that tunnel vision that causes you not to focus on anything else. Mm-hmm. And... I've only just recently, and you send me a lot of shit all the time anyway, not that you actually watch or read <laughs> any of the articles. You just see thumbnails. You're Mental like, bookmarks for Ryan. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but that works for me. Um, but let's talk some product releases because I feel like that's usually a good place to start, especially because a lot of really dope shit has been coming out fairly recently. Mm-hmm. I know this morning, or not this morning, but our morning, this is Thursday. Thursday morning. morning. 
Oh, shit. I thought it was Wednesday. I know. But Thursday morning, uh, the new colorways of the Nike Sakai uh, waffles came out. Yeah. Any luck? A fat L. You know what I hate about this fucking shit is three shoes gives you three additional better chances. But you think you're getting better chances by being able to raffle for three individual shoes, Mm-mm. but you have the same chances for each one, regardless if you apply three times. Yeah. And it's so annoying. Like, I didn't want them, right? Like, it wasn't... I, I, I'm kind of over the um, the disappointment that comes with <laughs> raffles or sneakers in general, mm-hmm. but there's something about... And I'm, I'm starting to grow this, like, reseller mindset a, a, a bit more as of lately, um, but... My full intention was to definitely resell those shoes. I think we talked about this in a in a, in a past episode about how do you feel about um, companies sort of over overdoing the colorways mm-hmm. compared to the last set of colorways. You think this was better? Um, I like the monochromatic aspect of it. I was actually going for the black and white ones, but um, it didn't work out. I like the favorite. Barney ones. The Barney colored ones are really cool. The pink and pink and yellow. Yeah, I, I really like those. But there is a sense of annoyance when I see like a really good shoe or a, a good silhouette be reiterated multiple times. It had only been, it hadn't even been a year, maybe like six months before a better, I'd say better colorway released. Does it, does it lessen that of the original colorways? Like do, would, if you had the original colorways, would you feel like these aren't really that special anymore? Um, it depends. I know a lot of people say they're comfortable, so I know I have friends who are going for these ones so they can retire the the original colorway yeah. and wear these. But also when it comes to releasing a second wave, the first wave of colorways usually goes up in price. Mm. So people will try and like get these um, to actually wear and then sell the ones they had on ice before. Ah, good point. Mm-hmm. Good point. That, that does make sense because if you think about you know, I'm going to use the Air Jordan 1 retro model as an example. I mean, the first initial colorways would be like the Chicago's or the Breads or things like that. And once you get like things like Royals and Shadows, it not only elevates the shoe completely and makes it, you know, more sought out after, but it also heightens that of the original colorways mm-hmm. and makes them, and being the introductory colorways, even more important. But you know what sucks about that though, and I had a, I had a good point, and I think I'm completely about to 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 forget it. But it kind of reminds me of like you know when we saw what was it the React eighty seven mm-hmm. was that the one that undercover when the shoe first came out it was the undercover collaboration the React Element yeah eighty seven. Um, when they did that, it was like, okay, this is an amazing shoe. And now it's like a general release modeled shoe. I think, but it's, it's a different number. Yeah, I right? think it's like 55 or yeah. something, something Essentially lower. Essentially the same silhouette. Um, but not see-through. You you would never be able to tell. Yeah, and I think that's that's what the, the numerical difference means. But do you think uh, a shoe like this would make it? I mean, do you think a shoe like the LD Waffle, that's what it is, right? Is mm-hmm. going to make like a more general appearance or do you think it's strictly just a Sakai thing? Um, I mean, for the design itself, it's a Sakai thing for sure. But look at the undercover Daybreak. It's very similar in style and people are already like coining that as like the, the budget Sakai, quote unquote. Mm, the Daybreak? Yeah. Oh yeah, they are like a little bit cheaper, and the resale there's no resale for them. That's true. So you know they're sitting on Nike Lab still, I think. Um, So it's easier to get compared to the Sakai's. And that's why I have two pairs, (laughs) (laughs) because there is no sense of disappointment when you can get a shoe that is a general release. But let's move on. Just Staple just recently uh, previewed, and it's I mean this was very early on. I think maybe you had sent me this, but Just Staple had previewed a. It's the, it's a Hirachi Adapt shoe. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you feel about it? Um, Aside from Jeff Staple, I haven't really seen any promo on the shoe or any information from like Sneaker News or Hypebeast, but I also think I haven't been looking intentionally for information on it. Um, 
it's interesting how they're they made it a Hirachi. I don't know if like this is like a sportswear type of adapt or they're still doing the basketball aspect of adapt. I think it, I think it's know? a sportswear uh, esque. Okay. Model. And so, I think yeah. that that's what makes it kind of interesting is because. I think when you're thinking about uh, the React technology, obviously it's auto lacing. So you think of shoes that already kind of have that feature involved, I mean, but have laces. The only ones I could really think of would be like, I don't know, like um, any sort of mock that they've ever done, mm-hmm. um, any sort of like free run silhouette that they've ever done. I think there was one that literally, when it first came out, was like the. I think it was like a two or 3.0 and it was just a sock. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you could just wear it without the laces rec- it, uh, anyways. And then, but I think the Hirachi is a good fit. I think the aesthetic, aesthetically looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It actually looks like something that I would potentially pay 350 for. It's a really nice looking shoe. <laughs> like there's something about it that is just really, really nice. Um, I think, you know what I, I think is, is Jeff Staple seems to have like this weird, influence with it within um the new shit that's been coming out under nike mm-hmm. i feel like he has some say in what they're what they've been doing as of lately um he's always been a very vocal character when it comes to things that nike releases not so much adidas but definitely nike so i'd say like they probably recruited him to be like all right you got a bunch of shit to say. Yeah. Come on in and, uh, and help us make it's like, some like, here's cool your stuff. co-sign now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, you can't talk shit about something you, you uh, had hand in, in creating. <laughs> yeah. That's how they, like, flip it on him. Um, but I think overall, the React stuff is kind of, it's, it's React or Adapt? Adapt. Adapt. But React has been killing it, too. Those uh, 270 Reacts are really nice. React has always been, like, a, a really cool answer to um, Ultra Boost. Right. Yeah, it replaced been. Lunar Lawn. So yeah. Lunar Lawn. Yeah. Um. I. I. I'm kind of a fan of how uh, Nike and Adidas technologically have been able to create, if not the same damn thing, <laughs> and choose words that, like, how many different fucking synonyms are there in this world that can all mean like cushioning or like yeah. all like live in the same space <laughs> um so shout out to them for for being ge- fucking geniuses and that's why they get paid the big bucks yeah uh, okay let's move on to fucking supreme because this would not be a no chance radio episode if we did not talk about supreme does that shit even excite you anymore mm, no like this whole like previews and lookbooks does that stuff even excite you <sighs> I just think I'm, I'm, okay, I'm half over it and I'm half like, I want the accessories. That's really all I look just for. Just the accessories? Yeah, like when I, when it comes to the recent releases, like this whole preview for fall has been whatever. I mean, luckily I got like one of the hoodies in a size small, which was very rare. It's impossible size to find. Mm-hmm, so I got that. But like the, the dunks, I'm not a fan of those. Terrible, terrible. I didn't like those at all. Um, they had a bandana fleece come out Thursday morning. Yeah, that and was really cool. It was cool. Like I tried for that and it didn't work. <laughs> I got the post-its because I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to take an post-its. L, let me take like a, a big, a small win, okay, you know? Quick question. So did you buy anything alongside the post-its? No. So you bought $8 post-its. How much is shipping? $10. $10. And now they tax. How much were your post-its? Like 18 bucks for some fucking post-its. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I it's mean, okay. You know what? I took an L on the fleece. I took an L on the Sakai's. I had to get one type of win. That's me. I need to justify my purchases by like. I, I would assume somehow. your purchase would have been some sort of clothing or a pair of shoes, but it resulted to. I got post-its. To, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> my whole thing about Supreme is like, and I'm I'm as big as a stand as they come. This season has been one of my favorites within oh. the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously there's two seasons in a year for, for Supreme. So that says a lot. There's something about what they've done and fall winter is always the best in my honest opinion. It's always the best. It's more cozy. Like, it's more cozy and the cut and sew and just like the pieces are a little bit beefier <laughs> and oftentimes that means like better quality. Um, but I'm just a huge fan of, of fall winter Supreme and, and they always seem to blow me away when it comes to the shit that they focus on within a particular season. The Mary J. Blige tee was a f- like, come on, like that shit's awesome. And like all of the, um, I think they did like a, a, a Smith's like um, rip on like 
the the helmet guy from a from an album cover from one of their first albums on like a, a denim jacket like it's just those types of things that i wouldn't expect when i first came into supreme mm. so like obviously after being more associated with like learning supreme learning about the the people that skate for supreme obviously being involved in skating too you like pick up on the cues that eventually will make its way back to supreme because at some point i mean everyone I wouldn't say everyone, but all skaters essentially know who the Smiths are and if skateboarding is like now a more integral part of Supreme than it was about, you know, less than 10 years ago, then that's probably something that they'll end up picking up as a cue for a design. And the fact that it's kind of made like this full circle moment to when I had first discovered Supreme and like started getting into like things like the Smiths or, or, um, I don't know, some of the other potential rips that they've done and then now kind of seeing it as like a mainstay piece. It's like, wow, that's actually really cool. Um, But yeah, I'd say for the most part, this season was like really fucking good, but I don't get excited about like previews and lookbooks anymore because social media ruined it for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, I used to only find out about the timing for previews and lookbooks through uh, the Hypebeast forums. They would, uh, nobody ever knew and... (laughs) For some reason, people started doing fucking like mathematical calculations trying to figure out like, okay, Supreme posted it this year at this time on this date. (laughs) Now, if we refer to the spring summer, they did it on this date. So by my calculation, Supreme releases their preview and lookbook exactly two and a half weeks after the season ends at this time. I'm like, (laughs) how the hell are you guys figuring that out? Like, computer, like forum nerds are, are in a whole nother world <laughs> but somehow they figured it out and now they can dictate not only when previews and lookbooks drop for every season but people are now posting ex- like in, t- in its entirety the drop list for every Thursday mm-hmm. um, that still blows my mind and wh- I remember the first time that uh, somebody had said like Oh, this one! I saw this one piece from the crack of the window the night before, and that's how I know it's coming out. Like that, it was that was literally the only way you would find out what was released the next day. Yeah. So, for one, the reseller mindset becomes way easier because now you know what's coming out. You could you could plan out an entire reselling spree a week before the drop and create an entire pre-order business um, business plan around it. And there's something about that that just is just really fascinating and also really annoying because <laughs> it takes away from the excitement of what of what fucking Supreme is, is this whole like enigma of when does this drop? Why is it when I go on this website on a Friday, everything's sold out? And I think that's what made it great, mm-hmm. um, especially for, for me. I think I first discovered it when I was in high school and, um, and I was pissed because every time I went on it, I would go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, nothing would ever be restocked. <laughs> and I'm like, what, well, what the hell? Like, do they just not make more like new things? Um, but yeah, I can, I can create a whole episode on my gripes and complaints about Supreme, but I still love them. They are my favorite streetwear brand. Maybe not currently, but they've, they're like top three forever. Like all time. Of all time. Okay. For sure. Um, Let's move off Supreme and let's get into the, oh my God, I'm going to call him the hardest working man in streetwear, uh, Virgil Abloh. We've covered him for countless hours, um, hundred plus episodes, not a hundred plus episodes. We're not even at a hundred yet, but so many fucking episodes we've talked about this guy, how hard working he is when it comes to obviously his role within Louis Vuitton, obviously killing it with Off-White. Read an article today, not in its entirety, obviously, because I don't do that, but <laughs> basically explaining that, you know, he has been overworked and he has taken a break for who knows how long, a couple months, could be a year. Essentially, the ship doesn't stop. Like, it doesn't sink with him not being there. Mm-hmm. But what do you think is, I guess I want to say alarming or of concern with him sort of taking this little hiatus like what does this kind of say about the the creative of this day and age um i don't know if it's well it's alarming 
on a health perspective. Of course. Because if he's taking a break, like I hope he's doing okay. I hope yeah. he's like all right with everything. You know, I think as us being kind of like early creatives, like trying to figure out what we're doing, we experience burnout and we're not even doing as much as him. Oh yeah. You yeah, know, definitely. so like burnout is a real thing for everyone. You know, it just reminds us that he is also a human being who needs time to rest. Um, people should respect that. Um, yeah, like, you know, regular business will still continue. It's just, we won't see new designs for like a year or so, but that's fine. A lot of people go through breaks, like even artists and rappers, they go through breaks of that's not true. making music. No, that's a good point. Uh, rappers tend to go on little, they, they can be gone for one to five years. years Frank after Ocean come back. Exactly. Right. Like they could be gone off the planet and, mm-hmm. and just thinking about what it takes to either create an album or create a, a season with, with within one of the most renowned fashion houses, right? That's a lot of energy, a lot of exhaustion. I always think of, and I like to watch a lot of interviews and like uh, behind the scenes when it comes like tours, like tour videos, mm-hmm. and a concert in a city a new city every day, partying before, partying afterwards. I can barely go on like a three-day drinking binger in like Los Angeles. Like there's something special about these people. Either you have to constantly be doing it to get used to it in in, in terms of like surviving in that sort of exhaustive state, like mm-hmm. kind of running on E, or you're just kind of built for it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't understand how people do it. Um, I'm excited to try. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. Because sometimes you don't know. You don't know how far you can take yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean like on trips and stuff. But sometimes you kind of want to test the your, 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 your power levels, if I, if I use that term correctly and see, yo, am I capable of, of handling this much pressure, this much, uh, exhaustion, uh, like all these different tasks Cause eventually we, we know where we hit when we hit our ceiling, um, as a creative, How, does that happen to you often? Like, do you feel like, okay, I need to take a break. Like this has just been like overload. Um, I think for me, once I get into that headspace of go, 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 when I stop, that's when it affects me. You know, like when I do take a break without realizing I'm taking a break, that's when my body just shuts down completely. Like, um, right before I went on my trip last week, I got vertigo. So that's why we couldn't record that day because I oh, went home shit. sick. Cause I got vertigo out of nowhere and it's like, well, what happened? But then if you think about it, you know, we had two straight weekends of like, going to events, like doing our own thing. And we were working and I just didn't take care of myself. And I, you know, we get into this motion of just like nonstop going, but then when you do sit and stop, that's when your body just stops completely and you can't even continue going. No, that's a good point. I I think that's a good point. I think we're, we, you mentioned tunnel vision in the very beginning. It's, it's, we have, the objective, the goal in mind. Um, but sometimes we don't know how much it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. And, um, that happens to me too. Like, um, and I know this is going to happen following this event this Saturday or t- tomorrow. <laughs> it's going to be a long weekend. My, the next week from Monday until the following Friday, I'm going to be sitting in the dark watching <laughs> Netflix. Like that, this is what happens to me quite often when it comes to like high pressured, um, events or, or situations is that once I'm done and I have that sort of like sigh of relief and everything situated, then I just sit back and do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think we all deserve that at some point, but that's, I would say, and I'm going to be a little cynical here. It's necessary if you're starting to see results and mm. sometimes you shouldn't hold off until you actually feel like you deserve it. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're not doing anything and you just feel like, I think I should take a break. Like, I think I deserve for, for what, <laughs> what are you taking a break from? You know what I That's mean? A good point. The journey is just started. You're just getting, you're, you're, you're just getting things going. I like to see people that take vacations when I know that they've been fucking killing it and making a, an impact, making some sort of change, doing things differently. That's when I feel like it's deserved, but 
I mean, that's just me being me in <laughs> terms of, uh, of that conversation. But with Virgil, we know what he's been doing. That takes an entire team. It takes 30 people, and he's just one guy. And I'm sure, obviously, you have, when you get to that point in your life as a creative, you have assistants. You have other designers to assist. But sometimes I think the hardest thing to do is be a manager. Managing is sometimes a lot harder than actually being the the creator mm-hmm. of things. And yeah. obviously he's a creator, but in this case, in, in his position, he's essentially managing all these different products. He just released a, a collaboration with Undercover. It was like Off-White and Undercover. And I'm like, two days ago, an article <laughs> came out about how you're fucking exhausted and you're taking <laughs> a break. And the next thing you know, uh, uh, an entire collaboration gets announced. Like... This guy's like literally like you know when they tell you like hey like you're gonna be sick you're sick you need to work you you need to you know take a sick day don't do anything he's just under the covers in his bed fucking on his laptop <laughs> just typing away like managing all of his work and stuff um, some people are just like that yeah. you know what I mean they're they're not gonna let injury they're not gonna let sickness hold them back from what makes them happy and some people are just workaholics in that sense um, mm-hmm. and that's just really how it is and so shout out to Virgil and. We hope for uh, some sort of speedy recovery. I don't know what's what's wrong, <laughs> but uh, it's okay. Go get one of those Popeyes chicken sandwiches, and you'll probably just just hang out and feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he needs that. Um, okay, on to the next one. This was a really good one, and, and if I was in a in a very uh, in a very emotional state, this would probably make me cry. But uh, a very rare, rare complex interview was released of of Nigo. If you don't know Nigo, this is the creator of Bape and currently the uh, creator of Human Made. And he sat down with Kid Cudi. Mm-hmm. Now, what's funny about the two of them, and fun fact, if you haven't watched the video, which I would recommend going out to watch, Kid Cudi actually references that he had never actually met Nigo yeah. <laughs> at all. Um, except for when he used to work at the Bape store in New York, um, which was a long time ago. And you would think like all these people you're talking about, Pharrell, you're talking about Tyler, the creator, you're talking about Kid Cudi, Kanye West, Virgil Abloh. They all kind of fall off of this tree of Nego. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're all somewhat closely related to him, whether he has done collaborations with them um, or just been associated with, 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 with artists in general. But the fact that he's never met him still, it just really bizarre to me. Like, <laughs> he's had, to give a collab to you. With yeah. Him. At the time of, uh, when babe, when Nigo was still with babe, I think he'd cut, he had done at least like two or three collaborations with him. And I'm like, you've never actually met him. That's kind of weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they sit down and do this interview complex and, What's funny about this is that Nigo doesn't do interviews. I think the last time he did an interview was wasn't even like an actual like live pub like video published interview, mm-hmm. but it was more like a, a an article on High Snobody. And this was like 2013, right? We're in 2019, guys. That's, that's six years. That's that's literally what we we're talking about. How artists make an album and then go ghost yeah. for forever. <laughs> um, so in 2013. Uh, is actually the year that Nigo had left Bape. Um, he was more so like a, the creative director um, and partial owner of the brand. The reason why he left, obviously, was because I think there was a lot of different hands go- within Bape at the time, obviously, to run a business like that and Bape being essentially bigger than Supreme at the time, being one of the largest streetwear companies during that, during that kind of golden era of streetwear. It's kind of how uh, the Carlisle group had invested money in Supreme, mm-hmm. right? So you have outside forces kind of having their way with your brand. And at that point, he realized that it wasn't fully his brand anymore. So he decides to leave, creates Human Made. Human Made is a huge success, things of that nature. But one of the great things that he talks about in, um, in this interview, which is actually really cool coming from him, and what's funny about age is that the older you get, the less you give a shit <laughs> sometimes because what are the repercussions? Like, who are you trying to impress? Mm-hmm. Um, you become very about 
I wouldn't say you become very about yourself, but you become more honest because you've lived life, you've had experiences. And Nigo being his age now, he's pretty old. Um, <laughs> that's not a diss towards Nigo at all, but um, being at his age now, he talks a lot about uh, present day Bape, right? And in his conversations um, with Kid Cudi and the interviewer, he kind of talks about you know, the current state of Bape and essentially he says what, why, why do people even, I'm gonna put it in my terms, why do people even give a shit about Bape anymore? Yeah, like it's an old design and people still fuck with it and he's, it's astonishing to him. Exactly, exactly. I think what he was trying to do when he had first established Bape is to create something very similar to that of, you know, traditional, um, nostalgic, Streetwear, or not even just streetwear, but at the time, just clothes, mm-hmm. things that were reminiscent of like a Levi's or um, logos and marks like Nike, things that just kind of lived the test of time. And obviously, with his intention being on that, you would think he has, he has the answer of why people still fuck with Bape, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind of funny because in the 2013 article, Heist Nabidi article, he talks about how when he left. He said that him working at Bape for longer than he should have created this hangover effect for the people that loved Bape. Mm. Because, I mean, I don't need, I don't feel the need to explain what a hangover is, but in relation to streetwear, it's one of those things where the the lasting effects of Nigo being at Bape affected Bape within that one to two year period following it. So you think to yourself as a person that buys Bape or, you know, if you've ever heard this from people that, you know, that, that uh, shop at Bape, it's not the same. Nego doesn't work there anymore. It's <laughs> trash. Nobody <laughs> wants to buy it. It's not cool anymore. Um, that's a very like westernized way of thinking for us because we look at Nego as Bape. Yeah. Right. We love uh, attaching people to brands. We love knowing that the the creator or the owner is this cool person and they have similar values to us. But within other countries, and we're talking like major areas where Bape exists, Hong Kong, China, and also in Japan, they don't care. <laughs> like they don't care that Nigo is no longer there. They care that Bape is still on the shelves and they can still buy it, right? Because if you're in... in have you ever been overseas to like uh, Asia at all? No. No? Mm-mm. So going out there, one of the things that I realized is that it's very, there's this hyper focus on the logo, right? Mm-hmm. There's no need for context when it comes to these brands, right? It's price, logo. It doesn't even matter if it fits half the time. <laughs> price and logo is this a cool logo? Do uh, do I know other rich people that wear this logo? Cool. Can I afford it? Boom. And that's the transaction. And they don't care who the creator is, who the creative director is, who the owner is, if he's with rappers, if he's famous, whatever. Mm-hmm. They just care that the that this is a, uh, a status symbol and I'm going to buy it because I want to constantly show that I'm rich, <laughs> which is different than out here. Yeah. It's a little less harsh than that, but I think for the most part, we value those that back the brand, especially now, right? Because everybody wants to be the face of their creative endeavor, right? Mm-hmm. We know Kith because of Ronnie, and we know Ronnie because of Kith, and the, those two coincide. We know we know Nigo now for Human Made, and, and it makes sense, and mm-hmm. we attach his aesthetic to the brand to reaffirm why we like it, right? If it was anybody else, I don't think it'd be as successful, mm-hmm. because there's a certain resume that's attached to it that makes you trust the brand a little bit more. Yeah. And I think that is very consistent amongst a lot of other brands. I mean, you think about, think about the brands you like now. You could probably name, I want to say the, uh, the, the poster child or poster person for that brand. No, for most brands that you know of that you fuck with at least. You would say that you do. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy because that, that wasn't always the case. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to know everything about what the brand is doing. Transparency is huge. We always talk about that. 
but we don't always talk about the celebrity of the individual brands. And so that's the major difference between that of why for us on this side, Bape was so impacted. That's why they had closed the, um, the Bape store in Los Angeles for that period of time, because it just, people just weren't really intrigued with it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly when they had closed it, but I know that it was probably on the tail end of around when Nego had left. Because we care about that fucking context, unfortunately. But I, I just think it's funny how, how he talks about um, why the fuck do people still fuck with Babe? I mean, he didn't say that word for word. I'm kind of <laughs> paraphrasing that. But why do you think people still fuck with a brand like Babe? I think it's because of the logo. You know, it's still a, like a classic logo. And at this point, it's kind of, it's household in the name of streetwear. You know, like, it's kind of like the basics you should know. Nike, Supreme, mm. Kith, Bape. It's up there as like one of those brands, like you should at least know something, at least one fact about it, like to be relevant in this, in this world, you know? And like, they're still putting out quality stuff. They and do, yeah. people still are like sought after their vintage things, you know? Like the Bapestas are still really popular and everything overseas is really popular. And I think it's just because like camo never goes out of style as much as we want it to. It's like camo and babe camo. Like it's just so iconic now that it's kind of ingrained in everyone's mind. I think we, we like we're, we pretty much know them for their camo. Like nobody is consistently doing camo the way that babe does. And you're right. Babe as a logo. And we're talking about the the ape head is something that's very like everyone can pick that out mm-hmm. of a lineup of, of, of brands. No matter how much they change it, you're always going to know. Well, it's, it's part of the name for one. But one of the thing, the biggest things I think is how how weird the fucking name is. Right? Like, <laughs> it's like what's a bape? Right? And when you spell it out and you think um, a bathing ape, right? Then it, it still is just as fucking weird. <laughs> um, and I think that's what also adds to it. You know, it's mm-hmm. just everyone wants to have a brand name that's, you know, typically like one word or something that's very like obscure. This is completely left of obscure. It's just <laughs> random as fuck. But for some reason, and like like we are on the, on the westernized front, everyone loves a story. So when he talks mm-hmm. about this influence of Planet of the Apes and, and this quote of a, a bathing ape in lukewarm water and stuff like that, it's just like. I get it, but why? Yeah. <laughs> um, he's gone on. I mean, Nigo's gone on to make other cool things like uh, a human maid. Like that's very literal in a sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also had part in creating. Actually, no, I'm not even going to fuck that up because I, that's Jun Takahashi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I got you guys confused. But he also mentions uh, a very good point about collaborations and mm. What's funny is that when I think about early brands that have done amazing collaborations, obviously I think of Nike mm-hmm. and I think of, I do think of Bape. Bape's pretty up there. And that's kind of it. We're talking like early golden years of streetwear, like ones that we remember, you know, like I feel like the whole collaboration thing became really huge when Bape started doing it. Obviously, to Nigo's point, it's become really insignificant. Mm-hmm. Um, even him sort of throwing shade at Bape. And we've noticed it, right? We talk about how shitty Bape collaborations have been all the time. It's just, let's create this character in the baby Milo form and let's put him <laughs> on in front of the shirt, right? Yeah. So when he talks about that, and if you've ever seen the Kid Cudi and Bape collaboration, you know what that looks like. It's just Kid Cudi in cartoon form Mm -hmm. on a shirt. What is it about that compared to what Bape does now that is so different? Or why why is he so, why is he such a critic in regards to it now compared to then? Because it's literally the same things. Is it like how often these things happen? Or is it just like, the constant recycling of designs? Um, it might be what you said. Like, again, people love when collabs are scarce. 
Um, they love when you can't really get your hands on it like in the States. I remember when it was the first Complex Con, it was like, I think the Pharrell tea, the Kid Cudi tea, and like some other rappers, like those were like the Complex Con exclusive for the Bape collab. Wow. So those, that line was like wrapped around and it sold out in like two hours. Wow. So that was a really big thing. And um, yeah, like you just back then, like you didn't see a Bape collab like every season. Now you're kind of seeing them like every couple months. Yeah. And they're just kind of random. Like the Adidas football one was like hella random with Bape. Like why? Yeah. You know? yeah no, no, I, I, that's actually a really good example because... When you talk about collaborations, and I'm going to use, I'm going to put um, Nigo's words, sort of somewhat paraphrase, but it's bringing the unique connection of each brand. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's kind of like a relationship, right? Like the best relationships are ones where you can bring something special to the table, and the other person brings something different as well. And within a collaboration, in the same sense of that you don't want to see just two logos put together. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes, I'm not going to lie, they're, all, they're actually very clever. Um, one of my favorite ones right now is the Undefeated and FTP collaboration. Um, and obviously, it just works because their letters mesh together. <laughs> um, but that's like that doesn't always happen, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the collaborations like that where you think like, damn, like, that's a really good collaboration. Oftentimes we kind of scoff at a majority of the collaborations. It's like Bape and Adidas and soccer. Like what use does this even play? I think Bape even released like football cleats at one point. Yeah. It's like, well, what the fuck? Like does Nigo play football? Like yeah. it's literally just taking the aesthetic and what is what they would consider popular streetwear and assigning it to the absurdity of accessories mm-hmm. and footwear and things of that nature. Yeah. It's, it's unnecessary. It's not meaningful. It's and not. there's no more meaningful collabs. Like there's no storytelling aspect. And that's what we know and love. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think brands, they, they kind of have learned to stay away from that. Like Supreme collaborations, even though when it comes to their accessories, which aren't always collaborations, like actual collaboration Mm -hmm. they'll just put the red box logo logo on it but it's not like distastefully overdone yeah like okay like if they're if supreme's gonna release a a bike we all know it's gonna be red and the logo's gonna be on it but we're talking like when they do a collaboration with i'll use i'll use his name for an example and rest in peace daniel johnson he's uh they did a collaboration with him fairly recently i'd say about two years ago rest in peace and they literally took the greatest part of this artist and put it on a t-shirt, which was his drawings. I don't even think there was the red box logo on it. So it's not taking the Supreme cues that we all know and love about Supreme. It's mm-hmm. taking it's Supreme taking the best part of the artist or the collaborator out and putting it on their own personal merchandise. And that's what I love about Supreme collaborations. Mm-hmm. And the same way that I loved obviously when Bape had done those early collaborations, it was unique. It wasn't just like Travis Scott X Bape. I mean, not Travis Scott. I'm talking about earlier on. So it would be like Kid Cudi X Bape, like just putting that on a t-shirt and calling it a day. They transformed him into what they would essentially call like an alternate logo for them, the little Mm -hmm. baby Milo monkey. And they brought, like both sides of what's special about the artist and what's special about their brand and brought it together. And that's definitely something that is hard to come by within collaborations nowadays. I don't feel like I purchased a lot of them as of lately. I don't either. One that really stands out actually, and I want to talk about this earlier, was the APC and Braindead collaboration. That is a great example of a really good aesthetically pleasing collaboration you're talking about brain dead's kind of weirdness <laughs> and uh futuristic like uh, i can't even i don't want to put them in a box but they're just like they're, they're out there yeah creative directions out there and you're talking about apc's very proper very put together uh form fitting aesthetic and when you put those two things together it's like you're giving that what can also all like sometimes be felt as like bland or like just like the same thing. You're giving mm-hmm. that character, the brain dead character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and if you guys haven't seen that collaboration, definitely go check that out because that shit is really cool. But 
I just really like how Nigo can create those or form those opinions now. I love senile old people. But he's not even that old. Okay, he's not old, but I, I love the way that he's able to speak freely without holding back. Okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. A man of his stature, uh, at, of his echelon, is not scared to step on people's toes because he can make fun of Nike and they'll be they'll they'll be knocking at his door asking to do a collaboration because they know what he is he's worth both mm-hmm. in the streets and financially. And when you have those sort of bragging rights, it must be a really good feeling, yeah. <laughs> in my honest opinion. Streetwear Yoda. Yeah, right? That's a, exactly the term that he used. And I think that's really cool. And definitely go check that out so you can create your own sort of opinions about this whole situation and DM us if you feel otherwise, because I know a lot of you will. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely happens. Um, I think that's where I want to end today's episode. I think that... Um, not only am I still sort of in shock that they were able to get Kid Cudi and, and, and Nigo in the same place and talk about sort of updates on their life, but I think just in general in regards to sort of what Nigo spoke about is like, man, like streetwear has changed so much mm-hmm. and has shifted into, you know, this 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 mindset of, of doing things first, doing things differently into like, let's do what makes money. And that's definitely something that, I mean, we can both agree that we've seen a lot more. Mm -hmm. And for the brands that do create that transparency, they do create meaningful pieces, collections, things of that nature, continue to do that. If you're a brand that is looking to follow the next trend, eh, yeah, (laughs) maybe think twice twice about that. Um, It takes a little bit more time to be creative, to be different, to be an innovator, but I think in regards to longevity and and sort of what things you have on your resume, what becomes attached to your brand's name, who you guys are as a brand, um, sort of lives on forever. So on that note, one last thing, please, please, please go follow us at No Chance Radio on all social platforms. We do have a website now, www.nochanceradio.com for all updates. Everything from events, tickets, all that stuff. Eventually, we'll have merch in there consistently. Mm -hmm. And shit, that's episode 99. Woo! We're almost there, guys. Congrats to us. Congrats to you guys. And we will catch you on the next one. Peace. Peace.